sheets with you. The first one will talk about leadership. What is leadership? That's the first worksheet that you will have. The second worksheet will be attitudes determining altitude. Attitude determine altitude. So that's the second worksheet. But we'll work on what is leadership first and then we'll move into it. So let me kind of uh, read the instructions to you. Leadership is exercised in a vast number of ways. There are leaders in crime, in business, and in military. There are leaders in government and in politics. There are leaders in civic and community affairs. There are also leaders in the spiritual world, both angelic and demonic. God has leadership in his church that is often different from the leadership exercised by the rest of the world. This course is entitled Ministerial Leadership. I want you to think of it also as Christian leadership. Since it is at least possible that leadership may be spiritual and bad at the same time. As we have pointed out, the whole spiritual world and the world of evil influences definitely has its hierarchy of leadership. Christian leadership, by absolute definition, has to be leadership by Christ or leadership by one who is Christ's disciple. Therefore, this course must deal with the principles of leadership which Jesus demonstrated and taught. However, it will also deal with the psychology of leadership in the natural sense through sometimes only as comparison. So we'll talk a little bit about um, what is leadership, um, who are leaders, who are not leaders. We want to get into all of that. And make sure we understand what true leadership is all about. So if you'll stick with me through the next, hopefully, 45 minutes, we can get it done. That will be great. And we can talk about leadership. What is leadership? The first thing I wanted to make mention, in case um, you didn't catch it like I caught it, but one of the first things that I wanted you to catch is that we need leadership in the church. That's the first thing I wanted you to catch, that we need leadership in the church. And leadership is to make sure there's no chaos. Leadership is to make sure things are organized. If things are not organized, then it will be chaos. And the Bible says God does things decent and in order. So we have to make sure what we're doing is done decent and in order. <laughs> I think it's kind of funny because as we go along, hopefully you guys will catch on quickly. But I think it's going to be funny how we will conduct uh, this church leadership. Um, I've had it already and I'm sure I'll have it again. But in churches, people like to go to the pastor and say, Pastor, so and so and so and so and so expecting the pastor to handle the situation for them or expecting the pastor to be to exercise his authority as the as the highest leader within the ministry. Well, many times and so far people have been like, "Oh, 
Because I, I, I just learned a long time that when you start overriding your leaders, you're heading for destruction. The main thing is to make sure you put competent people in leadership. And so once you have competent people in leadership, then you don't have to question much about what they're doing. You will trust what they're doing, and we're, we have to make people responsible to go to that leader. How things work in the kingdom of God is that Brother Tom is having a problem with Brother Scarlett. Um, the way Brother Scarlett is leading, Brother Tom cannot come to me and tell me about Brother Scarlett is not leading right. I will not listen to that. I will say, Brother Tom, I need you to go to Brother Scarlett, and whatever you feel, whatever you see, whatever you are experiencing, I need you to go to Brother, Tom, Brother uh, Scarlett and tell him, and you guys try to work it out, because both of you are Christians. Go work it out. Now, if both of you can't work it out, and you need a third party, okay. And sometimes it's not even me that needs to be the third party. It could be somebody else. But I, I will trust leaders to lead what they're leading. And... I don't expect for anybody to interfere with any leader. I will not interfere with any leader. If, if Brother D is responsible for something, I am not going to interfere with him. The only thing I can do is saying, Brother D, we need to uh, make sure um, we have our date for our picnic and you haven't come to me yet to tell me what the date. That's the only time I need to interfere. But guess what? I don't even have to do that. Brother D called me Friday and said, listen... We have a date for so-and-so and so-and-so. I went to the park people, and the park people took our date, and, and, and I don't even understand how they took our date, because the day that is first available to give them a date, that's the day, and I'm here, and somehow they don't have our date. So here are the other two dates that they have for us. What do you want to do? I smiled all day, because that's leadership. That's what I'm talking about. I didn't have to go to him to find out what's going on. He came to me and let me know. That's what I expect. And so that's how we're going to lead in this church. And no, you don't have to worry as a leader in this congregation. You don't have to worry about someone coming over to get involved and trying to tell you what to do. Because in my understanding, you shouldn't be in leadership if you can't lead that particular group. So if you're in the leadership, I'm going to let you do what you do. That's the way it works. So let's roll along here and see some things about leadership, leadership. Come on, let's roll. I don't know if I can work with clickers. They move too slow. You know, I'm just not patient. All right. We're getting there. Hallelujah. There we go. Leadership. All right. So let's look at this. I love this. Oh. Oh. Leadership. Is not position, rank, title. It is influence. Leadership is influence. So, if you don't have influence, don't even try leading. If you don't have, if you don't have, if you don't know how to get along with people, it don't make sense to lead. That makes sense? If you can't get along with people, you always clash with people. It don't make sense because nobody's going to follow. Because they're going to say, I'm not messing with that person. So if you're going to lead, it means you have a good respect and reputation developed with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. 
So if you don't have good influence with people, don't make good sense to lead. You're just going to frustrate yourself. What am I doing here? Don't know about the clicker. All right. James C. Georges. What is leadership? Remove from a moment the moral issue behind it, and there is only one definition. Leadership is the ability to obtain followers. That's the broad definition, because gangs have a leader. And how did the gang leader become the gang leader? Somehow he was able to make people follow him. Old Chinese Proverbs. He who thinks he is leading but has no one following is only taking a walk. <laughs> Just think, I, I, I don't, I don't want to lead if I'm going thinking I'm, you know, I'm the man, I'm the woman, and nobody's following. I'm just taking a walk. <laughs> Love it. All right. Position leader versus influence leader. I love this one. Oh my goodness. Look at this. You'll see how this is just position leaders versus influence leaders or leader. Position leader drive or drives his followers. So when you are a Position leader, because somebody gave you a position and you're just going around using your title, you drive people to follow you. You better come on. If you don't do this, I'm writing you up. If you don't do this, and you, that's, you're driving people. But influential leader lead his followers. So what's the difference? The position leader can tell you you have to do something with threat. And he or she probably never does anything that they're asking you, but they do it because they want to use their rank and their threat. Whereas a influential leader, he will just show you. He will show the way. He, he would lead the way to say, this is what we're trying to do. This is how you do it. Position leader induces fear. They try to make you fearful that you better do it. Influential leader inspires enthusiasm. Now you start to see leadership is not easy because you have to inspire people to be enthusiastic about what you're trying to get them to do. Position leader says I. Influential leader says we. Position leader says go. Influential leaders say, let's go. Position leader fixes the blame on somebody. You did it. Influential leader fixes the problem. That's, that, that's good leadership. You've heard me talk about, you know, when if I have to counsel somebody, I have to meet with somebody. I'm not interested in all the in-between. How do we get there? I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in what is the problem and let's fix the problem. That's what a real influential leader does. 
fix this problem, not put the blame on, well, you did this and you did that. And, and let me tell you this. Cindy Miller talked about this at Winterfire. Most people that sit down for counseling, sit down with the pastor, sit down to talk, they just want to get their point across to, to prove that they were the one that was right. A lot of times people are not sitting down to get a resolution. They just want to prove to the other person, see, I was the one that was right. See? And so if you are any kind of leader and you're, you're trying to get things resolved, you don't blame. You just say, what's the problem? Let's fix the problem. That's what the leader does. Position leader knows how it's done. Influential leaders show how it's done. It's a big one. I've learned in, in, in the corporate world, not because someone do their job well, I should promote them to supervisor. Brother D. There are many people that does their job well, but that's all they can do is do. They couldn't show anybody how to do that job because they have a system. They have a way how they do it and they get it done better than anybody else. And so they know how to get the job done. But if you try to put them in leadership role, you promote them to a supervisor position to say, okay, now that you're a supervisor, I want you to teach this to someone. Oh, no. You're doing the wrong thing. So you don't always promote the person that knows how to do the job. You promote a leader. I, I, I taught my supervisors and managers years ago. I says, when it's time to promote someone, we're not looking for someone that can do the job the best. We're looking for someone with leadership abilities, leadership skill, because we can teach people the job, but the leadership skills is a whole different ballgame. So we don't need someone to know how to do the job. We want someone that can show how to get the job done. Position leader depends upon authority. You better do it because I'm in charge. That's what the position leader do. You better do it because I'm in charge. The influential leader Depend on goodwill. I'm just being an example. I'm going to be influential. I'm going to help people to be enthusiastic about what we're doing. And so goodwill is what I'm expecting from them to do the job. Position leader versus influential leader. I love this. I love this. You may impress from a distance, but you can only influence up close. I love that one. Because many times people can see someone in church and says, I admire that person. I was just talking to somebody about this. And I somehow, hopefully I can work my way to talk about this in church one day. Um. If you feel like, if you're living a life that's, that's, let me get straight forward to the point here. There are some people that, quote unquote, have it together to some extent. Because we know nobody has it all together. But you have it together. And you can clearly see there are some people that struggling. They don't have it together like you. And what I've discovered is this. The ones that have it together never connect with the ones that don't have it together. Because the ones that have it together is waiting for the other ones to come up to their level for them to help them. 
And so nothing ever gets done. The ones that have it together have to realize in some way, the ones that don't have it together, it's kind of intimidated by you. They're not going to say it, but I'm telling you, they're, because they're looking at your life and says, man, they just, uh, 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 everything is just together. I'm not going to even say anything to them. And it will just, they will never grow and become better because they're watching you from afar off. And it's not until you get up close to them can you impart something to them. And so we stay unbalanced because we have a certain amount of people that have it together that's not reaching for the people that don't have it together. And the people that don't have it together is not reaching for the ones that have it together because they're a little intimidated. And so we have to recognize that as leaders to say, you know what? The only way I can be a good leader is by getting close to someone that I can help. That's how we do it. We can't stay away from them. We can't look and say, you know what? They just so messy. They just so out of control. I can't deal with them. We don't want to do that. Because we're not helping them. The only way to help them is get close to them. So a good leader, yes, you will impress people from afar, but the right leader will get close to people because that's the only way you can really impart anything to them is up close, not when you're far away from them. Make sense? All right. Position leader versus influence leader. True leadership success is measured by the up by those closest to you. That's a heavy one. Because the ones closest to you, they're hard on you. They are. They're not easy on you. And so if you ever win them over, you're you're doing something good. So that's where you want to start in looking at what kind of leader are you, is how are you influencing those close to you? What kind of impact are you having on the lives of those closer to you? Those closest to you, how do they see you? That's kind of where It's tough, but you know what? It's your greatest challenge you will have in leadership. Is dealing with the people that's closest to you. If you can win them over, you can help them. If you can influence them the right way. It's tough, but those are the ones. Noah was a success. We don't know how many people was in the world at the time when Noah was preaching. But we know Noah preached for about 100 to 120 years. Noah preached. And only eight people got saved. Him, his three sons, and their wives. The people closest to him got saved. The whole world perished. Except him and his family. Noah was a success. But any other situation, that wouldn't have been successful. Because eight people being saved out of a few million, that wasn't a success. But Noah was a success. You can teach, love this one, you can teach what you know, but you will reproduce what you are. You can teach what you know, but you will reproduce what you are. If you've been in church any amount of time, you realize people normally turn out to be like the people who brought them to church. 
Yeah. Not unless if I bring you to church, Brother Tom, and when I brought you, the day that I bring, brought you, you and Brother Scarlett connected, and now you and him developed a relationship, then you will take on most of what he is. But if I bring you to church and you and I stay together and connect, you're going to be a Christian like me, just like me. Doesn't matter what I tell you, you're going to be a Christian just like me. And if I'm a mess and I don't have it together and I'm always a mess, then guess what? You're going to be a mess too. <laughs> it's just the way it works. I wish I could tell you something different. Here's a big one. There is no success without a successor. You know what that means for us? Because we want to think it's only like, you know, big positions. That means if you're leading anything in church, you better have someone that you can depend on to back you up. If you're leading something in church and you're the only one that knows everything and no one is there to back you up, no one is there to help you, you can't, you know, call someone in the morning and says, hey, I can't make it. Uh, I need you to fill in for me. I had an emergency and they know exactly what to do and they get it done just right. If you don't have that, you're not having success. Now, I take it to a different level um, for preachers. If you have a great church going and you don't have multiple people that have been trained and equipped and prepared, that if something happens to you or when it's time to change the leadership, if you don't have one of that, everything that you did was a failure. I heard that preached many times. Bishop David Bernard talk about it, talk about that all the time. If we start churches and we build churches and we, you know, do a great work for God and, and we start getting old and nobody to take it over, we didn't do a good job. Because God is not trying to do something just in your life. He's trying to do something generationally, transcendently. And he had you to start it, but it doesn't mean it stops with you. And it's the same thing with ministry trickle down. If you are doing something in church, you need to recruit somebody eventually and says, Hey man, I think you can do some of this. Or hey sis, I think. And you train them to be able to do what you do. Any questions? That one always get everybody quiet. What lies behind you and what lies before you pales when compared to what lies within you. Can't be a shallow leader. Got to keep learning. Got to keep growing. Because it's what's in you that will help you, that will move you. Not what's behind you or what's before you. It's what, what's in you. And the first thing you want in you is the power of the Holy Ghost. Because nothing is greater than that. Edwin Markham. We are blind until we see that in the human plan, nothing is worth the making if it does not make the man. Why build these cities glorious if a man unbuild goes? In vain we build the world unless the builder also grows. So as we are leading our ministries, whatever we're doing, we have to grow. 
we have to grow. We don't want to start doing stuff and then just just rest on our talent. That's I can tell you that's one of the biggest uh, areas of, of challenge for people that get in leadership is will you be comfortable that you're a leader now and just kind of stay even keel? Or will you continue to grow? Will you continue to learn more? Or are you just going to be comfortable with what you know? We got to grow. All right. Jack Parr. Looking back, my life seems to be one long obstacle course with me as the chief obstacle. You are your biggest challenge. You're your biggest problem. The devil is not your biggest problem. Nobody else is your biggest problem. You are your biggest problem. Never forget that. If you start with you every time something goes wrong, you will always get someplace. God already established that. He says... A house divided within itself will fall. A city divided within itself will fall. So what God is always telling us is, it's only what's, what is within can destroy you. It's never anything from outside. So you can't blame somebody for your failure is what he's trying to tell us. Your failure comes because of you, not because of anyone else. I'm the biggest I'm the chief obstacle course in my life. Zig Ziglar, you got to be before you can do. And you got to do before you can have. You got to be before you can do. So you got to be something before you can do anything. Right? Got to have something. Got to be something. Got to have something within you to be able to do something. And you got to do before you can have. Can't have until you do. Leadership is both something you are and something you do. My man, Vince Lombardi, football coach for those of you that don't know. <laughs> The way you win shows a lot of your character. The way you win shows a lot about your character. Hold on, it's not over. The way you lose show all of your character. I love that. So when you get messed up and stuff don't work out and you know stuff is a mess, the way you act, that's really the true you. So when stuff is not going good and it's a mess, that's the true you. <laughs> Woo! All right. John Maxwell. Everything rises and falls on leadership. If you're leading something... And it's not working. I don't care what you think. You're the problem. We got to adapt that. Brother Henry, you don't have mom? Oh, you're writing it down and you fill it out. 
If you're leading anything, and what you're leading is not working, it's not anybody else's fault. It's the leader's fault. If things are not going good in this church, I'm not blaming none of you. It's my fault. Rick Warren, check this out. If you want to know the temperature of your organization, put a thermometer in the leader's mouth. <laughs> if the leader is sick, <laughs> why are y'all laughing? Then the, the organization is sick. <laughs> it's just the way it goes. <laughs> I wish it was something different, but that's just the truth. So if your ministry in church is not working good, please don't blame the people. This is why God called Moses home before his time. Did you know when Moses died, he was still strengthened and he still could see and he still had strength? But he started blaming the people in the organization. God said, nope, enough of that. Let's go. Call them home. Because you can't blame the people when things are not going right. You're the leader. Make a decision. I don't know if you remember this story. But uh, when when Abraham's wife, Sarah, when she decided to when she decided to ask her maid to to be with her husband so she can get pregnant and they can have a son through the maid, um, Abraham and her agreed to that. It really happened. The son came and boom, she had the son. Then later on, she ended up having her son between her and her husband. And now she started complaining about the son that she told her husband to go have with the maid. I don't know about him. And so Abraham got upset. And he was like, let me just talk in what Abraham said terms, not what the Bible says. I can't believe her. She told me to go sleep with the maid. I slept with the maid. We had a son. And now she want that son out of the house. That's my son. He came from me. How she want him out of the house when she set this whole thing up? And so Abraham was saying that to himself. And the Lord said to Abraham, listen, you're the leader. He didn't say it like this. I'm just telling you, you're the leader and she is the leader over the maid. Whatever you want, whatever y'all want to do about the maid situation, y'all can do it. So just do it. What's the point? Sarah was the boss for the maid Hagar. So why are you standing there complaining about Hagar when all you have to say is you got to go now? So she had to say to Hagar. Why she had to start taking pot shots at Hagar when she was the one that told Hagar to go with her husband, all she had to do was, Hagar, the two of us can't stay in this house. This is my house. That's my husband. I know what I told you, but guess what? You got to go. That's not what she did right away. What she did right away is start taking shots at the, at the little boy. And God had to show up and says, listen, aren't you her boss? Yes. Well, then let her go. You have the power. So a leader has the power to fix the problem within the organization. So that's why they're the ones that's responsible because they have the power to fix what's wrong in the organization. And if you have the power, fix it. Don't cry about it. Just fix it. Number one most important aspect of church growth is attitude. Of leadership. Attitude of leadership. 
I'm telling you, if you can ever not let the people that you're leading frustrate you, you're going to be all right. You can't pay attention to the, whatever is wrong. That's why you're, that's why you are the leader is because you supposedly have more control, self-control. You're supposed to have more discipline than the people that you're leading. And so if that's true, you should never allow your attitude to become sour, rotten, and bad. Uh, against the people because you have the leadership skills to lead them and that's why you're in that position and once you start getting an attitude it's no it's it's time for you to get out of that leadership position president of Hyatt Hotels if there's anything i have learned in my 27 years in the service industry it is this 99% of all employees want to do a good job. How they perform is simply a reflection of the one for whom they work. Ooh. So if 99% of your team, staff, wants to do a good job, if they're not doing a good job, it's the leader's fault. You didn't train them right. You don't have a good attitude around them. You're not a good example because most of them want to do a good job. So if they're not a, if they're not doing a good job, why do you think? Whatever you do, do it heartily as the Lord, as unto the Lord and not unto man. That's Colossians three twenty three. All right, I'll skip that because I never read that book. All right, let's let's look at this because I I I, I kind of respect what where this is going. Interesting facts about sandhill cranes: these large birds who fly great distances across the continents have three remarkable qualities. This is really good. Birds. We talking about birds, not people. First, they rotate leadership. No one bird stays out in front all the time. They rotate leadership. Um, we will rotate leadership in Christ-centered church as we continue to grow. There are certain positions in our church that will rotate leadership. And, and how do we do that rotation of leadership? We will vote for that position every two years. We'll vote for that position. So there's a certain position here. Usually it's, 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 it's coordinators um, uh, uh, that you will rotate their, their leadership because we'll vote every two years. So if you happen to be, Tom, the coordinator for, you know, just say care ministries, you, you are the coordinator. Well, every two years we're going to vote and says, um, we're voting for the care leaders, the, 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 the care ministry coordinator. Um, currently, you know who it is. Um, you know, write down who you want to be leader. You might still vote for the same person, but you might vote for somebody else. But we will rotate leadership. Um, and, I, and I know it's right rotation of leadership because when you rotate leadership, it helps us treat each other better. When we rotate leadership, Matthew, when we rotate leadership, it will help us deal better with each other. So if, if, if Luke is leading something 
and all of a sudden now we vote for you to be the leader, Luke better treat you good because sooner or later you're going to be the one leading him and he can't disrespect you, not because you're younger than him. He's going to have to still show your respect. So we have to rotate positions so we can make sure, uh, you know, nobody gets stale in the position and so on and so on. But it challenges us to treat each other right because at any time the person you don't like could be the leader over the ministry that you're in. So they rotate. Second thing they do, they choose leaders who can handle turbulence. They choose leaders who can handle turbulence. So if you can't handle turbulence, if you can't handle when it gets challenging in your leadership, when somebody starts challenging you, when somebody starts saying, you know, what they don't like about you, what are you going to do? When you're leading and they start telling you, Daryl, I just, I just, you just don't do it right. I don't like how you do it. When they start saying bad things about you, what are you going to do? <laughs> Tom say punch him. I don't know about that. <laughs> Tom say sock him. But, but leaders have to be able to handle turbulence. All the crazy things that comes with leading people and people wanting to know, what do we do now? You have to know how to handle turbulence. The third thing, all during the time one bird is leading, the rest are honking their affirmation. Ooh. <laughs> Remember what I told you? If you're in a church and you don't like the pastor, you should pray and ask God to direct you to another church. This is something I'm telling you that a lot of people didn't know. But this is fact. This is fact, Sister Monroe. Her husband having me saying like that. So I was talking to her husband one time. He says, our last name is Monroe. Not Manroe. Monroe. And so ever since that, every time I say her last name, Monroe. Because I hear her husband's words in my mind. Monroe. It's, I forgot what he says. German? What did he say? Irish. Well, you know, you know, you studied it. Come on down. <laughs> it's Irish. So he gave me the whole spiel one time about it. So I got to always remember. But, but if you're in a church and I don't like the pastor and I can't, I don't feel him and it's just something. It's nothing wrong with saying to the pastor, pastor, I know you're a good man, but somehow I'm I, just something is not working. I'm going to look for another church. And, and attend that church. And if it's me that you're telling that I'm going to say, okay, my brother, no problem. Um, you know, if you need me to write you a letter of transfer, I'll do that. I love you. And I'll be praying for you still. And just let me know if there's anything I could ever do in the future. That's what I'm saying. Because if you can't believe in or have confidence in that leader, you will never receive from that leader. The Bible talks about that. If you don't receive a prophet as... A prophet, you will never receive a prophet's reward. That's what it says. So you have to receive the man of God as a man of God. And if you can't receive him as a man of God, then you will never be blessed with whatever he's saying. So you're only messing up your own blessing by standing around in a place where you don't really have affirmation or confirmation or feel good about what's coming from that leader. So I hope that never has to happen to anybody in here. 
Hope to God. Hope to God, I pray. Boy, I'd be so devastated. You come and tell me, Pastor, I just, me and you just don't see eye to eye. Ah! Y'all hear me cry out loud. My wife will say, he crying about that and he don't cry about some other things. All right. Let's see where we're going from here. End slide. All right. Any questions on that one? Say again. Who's got that? Which page? You know what? I never got that answer either, Luke. It's not on my paper. So maybe you need to read some scripture there for me and figure it out. I didn't get that. You are 100% right. I'm looking at my paper that I filled out. And that's blank. So somehow I didn't get that either. Um, Brother Scarlett, can you click on um, attitude versus altitude? Or why I say that? Altitude determines attitude determines altitude. Click on that for me, and we'll get rolling. Any questions so far? We're moving right along. Almost done. Any questions? You guys find it? Anything else, Lukey? I can always count on you to ask a question. Nothing? You got it? It should come up. Okay. It, it don't need to move. Once, okay, I know what it is. You click, double click on it. Um, hold on. Put the play button on there if you want. All right, here we go. Attitude determines altitude. Attitude determines Altitude. All right. Proverbs 23.7. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. The thoughts that are in your heart, you can't hide them from the Lord. Whatever is in your heart, that's who you really are. That's why it's Very important to always pray and say, God, search my heart. God, cleanse me from everything that is ungodly and unrighteous. That tabernacle prayer thing, I don't know how many of you use it, but I strongly recommend if you're not using the tabernacle prayer, you need to use it. It is so important because when you get to the altar of sacrifice, you can put yourself on the altar of sacrifice and realize, God, there's things in me. Because there's things in you that you don't even know sometimes that will come out sometimes. When, especially when things don't go right, it comes out. And you're like, where did that come from? So you want to make sure you get right stuff in your heart so your mind can think properly and think of the things that are just and pure and a good report. That's what you want to do is think about righteous things and not unrighteous things. Okay. 
Think of a person you admire and think of why you admire them. A Christian person. You're looking at it from a Christian standpoint, a Christian viewpoint. If there's a person that you see and you admire, what's some of the reason why you admire them? Consistency is a good reason for admiring someone. Integrity, they do what they say. Easiest way to, 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 to understand what is integrity, just doing what you say. If you say you're going to do something, do it. Faithfulness, prayerful, compassionate. Trustworthy, good listener, dedicated, wisdom, and obedient. Those are good characteristics, qualities that would make you admire someone. The greatest discovery of my generation is that human beings can alter their lives by altering their attitude of mind. So, this is the biggie. Whatever you are, whatever you're dealing with, you can absolutely alter your way of dealing with things and doing things by altering your attitude. Yes. So if you have a good attitude about something, you'll begin to deal with it differently than if you have a bad attitude about it or if you just have a so-so attitude about it. I saw something the other day. I read something the other day. And... Do you know what they said the most attractive quality that a man has? When a woman, um, the one thing that they found that's common that make women attracted to men is what? Anybody want to take a shot at that? The one thing that a woman just says, they all just felt like that was an, a, a very attractive quality. Yes. Okay. Ambition. Ambition. You're close. Personality. Okay. Okay. Huh? Confidence. You're close. Passion. Passion. If a man is passionate about something, women look that way. But if you're not passionate about anything, eh, it's going to take a minute for them to look your way. (laughs) They didn't say good looks. They didn't say height. They didn't say money. You know, uh, they said passion. If that man has some passion, boom. Lou Holtz. Life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to it. Lou Holtz. Life is 10% what happened to you. So many of us walk around, how can this happen to me? I didn't do anybody anything. I always live a decent life. How could this happen to me? 
not a good response. And if if 90% of of your life is how you respond to stuff as opposed to what happens, we're in trouble if we don't respond good. Attitude that determines altitude. My attitude at the beginning of a task will affect its outcome more than any other thing. My attitude at the beginning of a task will affect its outcome more than anything else. When we come to church, every time we come to church, here is something smart to do. Walk into the church doors. When you get out the car, saying God's going to do something special in my life today. When you get ready to come to church, just say, today, I'm going to experience the power of God like I've never experienced the power of God. Today, God's going to do something supernatural in my life. You got to say that. So, the beginning of anything, when you come to church, you start looking at it with a good attitude. And I guarantee you, it will affect the outcome when you leave. The battle is won before the battle is begun. (laughs) The battle is won before the battle is begun. So if you can look at it and say, I'm going to church today because I'm going to receive the Holy Ghost. The battle is won before the battle is begun. We have to have the right outcome, the attitude towards towards what we're expecting to happen When we come. My attitude is the major difference between success and failure. My attitude is the major difference between success or failure. Attitude is big. Resources minus right attitude equal defeat. (laughs) Right attitude minus resources equal victory. Can I tell you a little secret? Whenever I got to do anything and it requires interacting and communicating, I will take going in person over anything every day, all day. I realize a little bit that I do better in person than I will do on the phone, than I will do writing, than I will do any other way. So when it comes down to the clutch, if there's something that needs to be done and it, and it comes, it's just like, um, the folks that, um, that own the D Frank building. After going back and forth with the, 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 the realtors and all these people, I said, man, forget this. I, I, I put on a, what I feel like a, a, a friendly looking out, outfit. <laughs> you better realize that I'm trying to tell y'all. Listen, what you wear will help you. And so when I showed up at D. Frank's building, I I had me. Let me tell you what the, the let me tell you what that that hookup was, brother D. Right, <laughs> brother D. Laughing at me. It was some slacks with a shirt and a sweater. Sweater calms everything down. I'm trying to tell oh, y'all don't want to hear me today. Sweater calms things down. So when you come with a sweater, they kind of 
You're not a nerd. You're not too high powered. You're just a good dude that I will talk to. <laughs> sweater. Look, look, all right, look, look around. Oh, I didn't realize we got sweaters. <laughs> Listen, (laughs) sweaters calm things down. I'm trying to tell you, when you walk into a place, you're even keel when you're walking with a sweater. I knew that day not to go with a nice shirt and tie, a power tie. No, no, no. I'm not running the Franks out of the way. I want the Franks to feel nice and warm with me. So I didn't wear a, a, you know, a really killer shirt with a killer tie and a nice suit. No, that's not, no. Sweater. Sweater. So, if we have the right attitude, we'll get victory. And so we don't have no resources. I guess that's the point. We don't have any resources to get our building. Very little resources. But I think we have the attitude. <laughs> I think we have the attitude. After today, though, I don't even know if we, the, the guys that's videotaping the whole Christmas surprise stuff, they've been here all day since 12 o'clock. They were supposed to be done, but they're doing the last shoot. But the way they're making it out is like they want us to stay here for the rest of the time that we have church. They love this place. My goodness. They love the place. They, they, they doing a shoot in the bay of the fire department. When they came, they looked in here and said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then they went in the bay where the fire trucks, this is where we want. We can have like the fire trucks in the backdrop. We can have their uniform. Pull the track with the, with the uniform. Let's pull it together and put the kids on the fire truck. They was out of control. I'm like, they're making me feel like we shouldn't leave here. Like, dudes, we, what are you doing? They're making it like we shouldn't leave here. But the good news is, the, the um, <laughs> uh, Captain Kevin is here and we just have a great relationship with him. And we just just hanging out all day today, just just having a good time. Make me feel like, what, we're going to stay here for the rest of the time? Because people are going to be upset when it's time to leave. My goodness, but I told them we close to leaving. I don't want to leave either because, you know, they walked in and was like, this, look at this. Like, you know, they built this place for us. I'm serious. That's what um, Brother Bryant walked in and was like, man, they built this for y'all. Everything is here. Like, you walk in. Yeah. <laughs> we still need a place, though, Brother Bryant. They're like, eh, this is all good. Attitude will produce Victory. We don't need resources. We need attitude more. My attitude can turn problems into blessings. My attitude can turn problems into blessings. If you have a good attitude about things, you'll get favor. You have good attitude about things, you'll get favor. You will. Don't, don't let your attitude be stinky. It will prevent you from getting favors. My problem is never my problem. I like that. Whatever you think is the problem, that's not the problem. Because if you have a good attitude and you got Jesus, my goodness, man, you can do anything. Good attitude in Jesus, you you all right. My attitude can give me uncommon perspective. My attitude can give, I do, I don't, I'm sure a lot of us do that, um, where 
things go wrong and you get a good attitude about it. And say, well, you know, it could be this way, but let's look at this. And you just look at things a different way. You know, I, I, <laughs> sometimes you're running late to some place and guess what you look at to, to just feel good about it. Maybe if I would have been any earlier, I would have gotten to an accident. <laughs> you, know, you just got to have perspective and look at it a, just a different way so you can feel somewhat decent about what's going on so you don't have to come in all worked up and attitude Just say, you know what? Maybe the Lord had it this way because if I would have been too early, I would have gotten to an accident. That's what I tell myself sometimes. Some people look at things as they are and say, why? I look at things as they are, as they can. I'm sorry. I look at things as they can be and say, why not? Yes. My attitude, not my achievements, will bring me happiness. Now, that, that is a true statement. Oh, a lot of people. Brother Tom, say that again. I said amen. Amen. I'm serious. You, you achieve stuff, you have stuff, and if, and if you don't have a good attitude, you're just miserable still. And all you can think of is trying to achieve more and more and more and more, and you're just miserable trying to achieve more and more and more. But good attitude, man, you all right. You just feel like, hey, I'm good. I am good. Reality check. The thoughts in my mind are more important than the things in your life. Hmm. That's a heavy one right there. That brought us to heaviness. The thoughts in your mind are more important than the things in your life. As a man think it, so whatever you're thinking, that's what's going to rule your life, not what's in your life. Because those things will be pushed out of your life because of the thoughts in your mind. Luke twelve fifteen, And he said unto them, Take heed and be aware of covetousness, for a man's life consisted not in the abundance of the things which he possessed. Don't confuse standards of living with quality of life. Attitude determines your, your altitude. Don't confuse standard of living with quality of life. Mm. Amen. Because you know. I'll let you say the amen because you know, brother. All right. Happiness is not based on money. And the greatest proof of that is my family. Amen. Man. I'm just making Brother Tom say amen because he understands some of these things. Maybe others of you understand it, but I know he does. Destination disease. If only I could live there, I would be happy. 
someone else's disease. If only I could be her, I would be happy. Backslider blue. If only I hadn't done that, I would be happy. We keep on blaming things about why we did and why this happened when really and truly just have a good attitude. If only I lived there. You know, I heard um, Brother Bernard again, I heard him say one time, what's the difference between a small church and a big church? Aside from just one has more people. He said the difference is bigger problems. <laughs> That's the difference, he said. He said, you need bigger miracles. <laughs> so while we're here in the fire station and we're having church and we're all good, it's all good. It's all good that one day we're going to grow past this and get to the next phase of what God is doing in all of our lives. But all it's going to mean is we're going to have bigger problems. If something goes down with the air conditioning unit, we have to fix it. <laughs> if the projector don't work, Brother Scarlett, we have to fix it. <laughs> if the carpet get messed up, even though I've been trying to get the, the fire station, let me uh, take up this carpet, but we have to fix the carpet. On and on and on. So it's great to have um, this place and say, wow, you know, this great uh, but one of the things is we're small and the problems are small and most of the responsibilities are not up to us. But at the end of the day, when we move out of here, everything becomes our responsibility. So it's a mindset of understanding. Don't wish to be somebody else. Don't wish to live where somebody else lives because you don't understand the problems. You know, somebody mortgage might be five thousand and yours is a thousand. But every day you drive past their house saying, boy, I would like to have that house. Yeah, you're paying a thousand. They're paying five. You still want to pay that extra four? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? We keep, you know, we don't understand how life works. So be careful of the destination disease that too many people have. My attitude will change when I want it to. My attitude will change when I want it to. Not when some God opens some door. Let me say it there. You know, I'm just praying for God to open the door. You don't need God to open the door. I remember, I don't know, um, <laughs> people used to say, you know, pastor come to somebody and says, well, um, blah, 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 blah. And they say, well. Pastor, I'm just praying right now. And Pastor said, listen, I'm asking you right now. He's talking about you praying right now. Oh, man, sometimes we get super spiritual when it's just, my attitude will change when I want it to. And it can change right now. My attitude is a mess. I can change it right now. If somebody made me mad, I can decide right on the spot if I'm going to respond in a crazy way and retaliate or I'm just going to just smile and say, it's okay. Right on the spot. We cannot tailor make 
the situation or situations in our life, but we can tailor make the attitudes to fit them before they arrive. Yep, we can tailor make the situations that come up in our life. The problems we deal with, the things that happens, we can't we, we can't decide how those things are gonna happen, what they do and how they do it, but we certainly can make our attitudes fit them before they arrive. So our attitude will help us to be prepared for when things go crazy, crazy. Understand the importance of attitude. Quit blaming others and things for your attitude. Quit blaming others and things for your attitude. Every time you blaze up, you act crazy, you do something, you're ready to explain why. It's your fault. Don't blame anybody else. Develop a plan and commit to improvement. Develop a plan and commit to improvement. Commit to improving your attitude. Develop a plan to improve your attitude and just keep on improving your attitude. My attitude needs continuous adjustment. My attitude needs continuous adjustment. You have to continue to adjust your attitude. You, you, you just can't leave it in one place because things evolve, things attack you differently. So you have to adjust continuously to stay above the fray. Not enough time for God. Actually, let me go back to the heading of this. Attitude adjustment indicators. So this is how you know you have to start adjusting your attitude. Here's some indicators. Here are some things that will tell you why you need to adjust your attitude or that you need to adjust your attitude. Look what it says. Not enough time for God. If you're not giving God enough time, it means you need to you need an attitude adjustment. Family tells me. If your family is complaining about you, you need to adjust your attitude. Don't blow them off. Don't get agitated with them and mad at them because they're telling you something. Just, just, just do what you got to do. Relationship with staff is strained. If you're leading people and, and, and you don't want to see them or you try to... Hide from them or get away from them and you don't want to talk to them. That's the issue. Need an attitude adjustment. View of others lowered. Hmm. Cynical view of life. Everything is a problem. Everything is a problem. Politics has this messed up these days. And I just love when I hear preachers says, the White House don't have nothing on Jesus. And that's what I want. Every, we all, as Christians, that's what we need to be putting on Facebook. 
let's leave the other stuff alone. Just realize who the king of kings is, the all-powerful God is. And it doesn't matter who's sitting on the seat in the White House. We will be fine if we're living for God. So we don't need to be having cynical views on life and all the stuff that's going wrong. No, Jesus Christ is our Lord and he's sitting on the throne. Say the right words. Read the right books. Listen to the right things. See the right people. Do the right things. Let me take my time with that. Don't just write. Well, when you write, it get into your brain, so it's good. You're right. <laughs> when I write, things get into my mind better, stays there better. Say the right words. Saying the right words don't mean that you're being phony. Can I tell you that? When you say the right things, you're practicing the word of God. The Bible says you must bear your brother's burden or your sister's burdens. The Bible says that we must um, 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 esteem each other higher than ourselves. The Bible talks about all these things. So saying the right words to someone, it don't mean I'm being phony. It means I'm practicing the Bible. I'm not saying that to them. Okay, I'm just tell you what the Bible says. Practice becomes perfect. Or practice make you better because you'll never be perfect. Read the right books. Yes, we must read the Bible. But we need to read some other books that are the right books. Listen to the right things. Don't listen to stuff that mess up your mind. See the right people. There are people that's acting a fool. Don't look at them. Look at the ones that's doing right. Do the right things. Do what God says. My attitude is highly contagious. That's a good one. My attitude is highly contagious. People catch our attitude just like they catch our colds by getting close to us. If you get close to somebody and you have a good attitude, guess what? You're going to be contagious and they're going to have a good attitude. If I, if I don't have bad things to say about people, and you had some bad things to say about people, but you hang around me enough, you'll stop saying bad things about people. I'll move on from that. <laughs> Who are you close to? Brother Raymond Woodward uh, preached a message on who's at your table. Who are you close to? You better be close to some good people if you expect to be a good person. You got to have some good people in your life. First Kings 10 and 8, happy are the servants which stand continually and hear thy wisdom. Who do you have in your life that's speaking wisdom to you continually? Second Chronicles 9 and 7, happy are thy servants which stand continually in thy wisdom. What God called offering. We call sacrifice.
what God called offering, we called. Say again. No, that's it. Abraham called worship. What God called offering, we called sacrifice. Abraham called worship. Any questions? Um, I can tell you. Let me go back to it. Okay, I'll, I'll go back to it. Yeah, that's what you needed. Hold on to these; they will help you, and you can use it to teach others. You leading in any capacity at some point in time. You'll have this to teach to somebody else. Because this is good stuff. This will be one of the um, classes in our Bible school. So, Art Hodges taught it. Yep. And, and th- he took it from the Bible school because he's one of the uh, professors at the Bible, sc- Bible college. So, we'll, we'll get that again.